One little act of kindness can go a long, long way. Two little acts of kindness can brighten anyone's day. Three little acts of kindness can make a beautiful sound. Many acts of kindness help the world go round. Hi, and welcome back to Tell Me What Happened, the podcast that features people from all walks of life talking about childhood experiences and how those experiences have impacted them as an adult. I'm your host, Jay Rehack, and like you, I've had my share of childhood good times and traumas. I'd like to think that all of the events of my childhood have made me a better person, but I know they certainly have impacted who I am today. Tell Me What Happened is sponsored by Sideline Inc. Publishing, publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's classic, One Little Act of Kindness, which is also a song and available on Spotify. Tell Me What Happened is also sponsored by LaughSaver.com. Visit LaughSaver.com and record your laughter. We'll keep it for you now and forever. It's free and your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren will thank you for it. That's LaughSaver.com. Go make a recording of your laughter today. All right. Well, today I have as my guest a good friend of mine, actually a family friend, a man I've known really his entire life, almost from the day he was born. I did actually know him on the day he was born. <laughs> and our friend, my friend, great guy, Eli Boyer. Are you ready to tell your story? Yeah, absolutely. All right, Eli, I'm going to stop talking. You're going to take over. And we'll talk to you in a few minutes. Okay, sounds good. So, you know, you asked me this uh, to come onto the show, I don't know, a week or so ago. But uh, so I've been thinking a little bit about it. And, you know, there certainly is a single story, I guess. it, You know, it's obviously as many stories do, it spans over, you know, a certain amount of time. But there's certainly one story in, in my life that has had a profound impact on me and the trajectory of my life. And and many of the relationships in my life as well. So it sort of starts back in high school. You know, I was an athlete. I think you know that I was played baseball in high school and really identified myself as an athlete. And during my junior year, I came across some struggles as many teenagers do in terms of, hey, I'm not playing enough. I don't know what I need to do to get on the field and that sort of thing. And I ended up quitting baseball. And so to me at that point, it was really just a, a loss of identity. And for, you know, a 17-year-old kid who's developing an identity and developing a sense of self, that that was a real challenge for me. And um, I, I admit that I fell into a pretty heavy depression, started misbehaving, you know, in terms of smoking weed, drinking, doing dumb stuff like that, and, you know, not doing great in school. And, and I think that my, my attitude towards the people closest to me, family, in particular, and even more so my parents in particular, those relationships became very strained. I think that I, you know, I manifested my depression through, you know, anger and, and lashing out and, you know, and sort of just trying to, you know, skirt my way around facing what I was dealing with. I was in therapy and I had been in therapy for some time, starting therapy as a, as a young child, you know, dealing with different types of things, anger, you know, jealousy, <laughs> whatever. As a middle child, you know, we're we're, we're riddled with lots of things that we need to address in therapy. So, 
So I was in therapy and my therapist, you know, suggested to me that I consider this leadership or wilderness therapy program, you know, which was up in Minnesota and 17 year old kid. I said, I don't want to spend my summer like that. Get out of here. Like I got girls and I got a job. I got to screw around. I got to do dumb stuff. Like, come on. I don't want to waste my summer like that. You know, I sort of left it at that. And at that point, I guess I thought that it was uh, maybe my decision, but it was something that sort of was in the back of my mind. A few months later, my parents, as, as we got closer to summer, my parents, you know, brought it back up and, you know, and I sensed that it was, it seemed a little bit less like a, you know, a suggestion at that point in time, a little bit more like a, you're going to go to this thing. And I, of course, put up my fight, you know, refused. I actually even uh, went out to the suburbs. I, my, one of my best friends from grade school was living out in the suburbs. And I thought, hey, I'm just going to hide out there until they promise me <laughs> that I don't have to do this thing. So they ended up saying like, you're going to you know, come back. And I think I had to come back for a work shift anyway. And so it was uh, the day before Father's Day. I was working my shift at that ice cream shop. Uh, I think it was called Sweet Occasions. I, I think it's long gone by now. But I came home about you know, one o'clock in the morning. I, you know, I'd done, I'd closed up uh, the shop and my mom was up waiting for me. And I, I did think that that was a little strange. I remember thinking, like, why was she waiting for me? As parents tend to do, she, oh, I was just waiting for you to make sure you're home safe. So I didn't think too much about it. Then I, as I went upstairs and found, you know, neither of my brothers were there. I, I continued to think, hey, something's going on. But, you know, I, I said whatever and, you know, went into my room that was covered with, I, had, I don't know, you, you ever went to my room when I was in high school? I had like pictures sports I cut out every single sports illustrated picture you know imaginable and it was like wallpaper and ceiling paper you couldn't it, it was the uh, it was the artwork of a of a kid going through some stuff for sure so you know I, I got into bed and and about three or four hours later it was probably like 4 30 in the morning my dad woke me up and he said Eli you're you're going today you're going to this program he woke me up and I, you know, and said this to me and I sort of you know, brushed him off. I said, fuck out of here. Like, what do you think I'm going to, you're just going to make me go like, get out of here. And, you know, he said, you know, I love you and I hope this works. And he touched my back and left the room. At that point, there were two large gentlemen that came into my room and they picked me up pretty aggressively in a teenage boxers and t-shirt, whatever, and uh, dragged me out to the car that they had and threw me in the back seat. You know, at this point, you know, the tears, I'm like you, Jay, I can't stop crying. I just keep going. I keep going. So my mom and dad had had vacated. They weren't there. You know, so I, I just had, uh, I got into the, this car and, you know, drove, I guess it was like seven hours and they took me up to uh, Minnesota. And you know, I was crying, I'd say probably 85% of the way, my mom being the loving mother that she is had packed a she had packed a cooler with all my favorite snacks. I had like Arnie Palmer's, she had baked some pumpkin bread, Swedish fish. So, you know, I think the first, you know, five, six hours, I refused to touch it because I was so angry. But then I was like, oh man, that's my favorite shit. I got to get after that. So I, uh, you know, I got to the hotel, you know, this, this program was start to, you know, was supposed to start the next day. And I, I had, uh, they allowed me to make one call and it, it couldn't be to my parents. And so I called my grandmother 
my mom, I called mama, my, my mom's mom. And I, you know, I said to her, you know, why is this happening? You know, I, I don't want to do this and, you know, come and get me and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, she, she just, she promised me that it would be okay. And, you know, and she, she sang me the, you know, the, I see the moon song that I have tattooed on my back. And, you know, I think at that point I, I sort of had accepted, you know, the reality that this was going to happen. And, you know, so the way it was set up is I, you know, when my dad left the room that day, I would, that I was not to have any communication, verbal communication with my folks for seven and a half weeks um, while I was exploring the boundary waters of Minnesota and, um, and immersing myself in, in this therapy, in this therapy program, you know, and I was, I was with uh, several other young guys, um, you know, everybody sort of dealing with different types of challenges. I was, you know, as this program progressed, I, you know, I got to know some of these guys and was one of the older ones and, and certainly one of the ones who, you know, having been a guy in sports, I, I uh, happily stepped into like a leadership role and was always very excited about, you know, the, the camping and the, the hiking and the, the canoeing. That stuff was great. You know, the therapy program itself was, uh, it wasn't, you know, great, to be honest with you. I mean, even in retrospect, 13 years later, I think about that program and, and some of the things that the therapist that would come in, you know, every couple of days, you know, had us doing that. I, I don't know if that was really all that effective, but I'll sort of wrap up the story before we can kind of get into the next part. But the hardest thing for me in that, you know, that entire experience was I left on Father's Day. To me, that that was just, you know, the hardest thing because that was a day in which you're supposed to celebrate with your father. And yet, you know, it got to the point where our relationship was so strained that, you know, he had to send me to the middle of nowhere, Minnesota, to sort of sort my shit out a little bit. So I went through that program and I remember, you know, the last day, and certainly there was a lot of tears along the way, but, you know, the last day, we actually, right before the last day, we had what was called like a solo trip where we, they sent us out into the woods by ourselves for three days. You know, they would periodically come check on you, but you had your own little campsite and, you know, they gave you parameters and you, you couldn't leave. And it was, it was pretty intense. And so, you know, we get to that last day and it's sort of like, it's like one of those like reality shows. Like there's the big reveal, like the parents and the kid coming together. And, you know, and I, I like broke down, like really broke down uh, just in, in joy in in happiness and sorrow. And I mean, like just, you know, I'm an emotional guy and this was one of the most emotional times of my life was seeing my parents after seven and a half weeks having not seen their faces or heard their voices it was it was quite quite emotional so so that's the story essentially I mean of course there's a lot of intimate detail that we don't necessarily need to you know go go into but it was a pretty you know it was a pretty difficult time and that was a challenging thing to do to to face the reality that that's where I was in my life that you know, it had gotten to that point. So that's, uh, that's my, uh, that's the summer after my junior year, a little different than most, but you know. <laughs> oh my God. Oh yeah. my God. I, I, I remember it yeah. because I was, I am tight with your family and, yeah. and uh, I, I, I must've blacked it out that it was father's day, but at my father's day has never been the same thinking about what you guys have been through and the courage yeah. of your whole family and everything. And, yeah. 
And I appreciate you telling me this story because I think it does, I think it helps a lot of other people who actually will hear this. But I got to ask you, because now you're 30 years old uh, and yeah. you're you know, highly successful. And, you know, you, I know as, at least as far as I can tell, you're tight with your mother and your father now. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, how has it impacted your life? Would you say that that particular yeah. moment? I, I, yeah, for sure. So I point to that as, you know, the biggest sort of, as I said, you know, early on, the change of trajectory in my life. You know, I don't know you know, where I would have been. I mean, I was always a very smart kid, but I was not, you know, a hard worker. Uh, you know, I sort of breezed through high school with like charming teachers and, you know, skating by and relying simply on just, you know, whatever intelligence I had in my head, as opposed to, you know, putting my best foot forward. But, you know, one of the, one of, the, I'd say there's really two things that I would say uh, in terms of a broader impact that have been long lasting. And, you know, one is, is sort of that work ethic. I realized that I was just basically wasting time in my life and like whatever was in my head. As you know, I come from a family of very intelligent people, very academically inclined, very successful people in, in very different ways. And, you know, I had always felt like I was different, but I was only different because I wasn't, I wasn't applying myself. And I think that feeling of being different than the people that you love most. And it's not, you know, it's okay to be different. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, you know, I, I, we're all very different in our own ways and, and that's a beautiful thing, but it's sort of, it, it was a gift that my parents gave me that I just wasn't using, right? Just this ability to, to put my best foot forward, to, to be a hard worker, to, to be engaging with people and to be engaging with learning and things like that, that that was a big takeaway. And, and certainly, you know, when I went to college, I completely committed myself to being the best student that I could be. I, having skipped many a classes in high school, I didn't skip a single class in college. You know, I, I was really devoted to my studies and that sort of thing. So, you know, that, that's definitely one thing that I'd point to, uh, you know, that time as being, you know, the, the catalyst for setting me on that course. But I think even bigger than that is, you know, it's just my family. I say that that program and, and you know, the, the specifics of the therapeutic aspects of that program I don't necessarily think were that effective. I learned a lot of, I mean, I went on to get a you know degree in psychology and adolescent psychology nonetheless. So, you know, I, I feel like I understand that a lot, but I wouldn't say that the program though wasn't effective because it was, it was effective. And, and for me, it, it was actually pretty simple. It took me out of my home and, and it took me away from, you know, the relationships that, that were most important to me, but that had been strained due to this depression. And, and I just realized it didn't take me very long to realize how much I missed everybody, how much I valued my relationships with my parents, um, you know, not just as being parents, but as that, be, you know, them as individuals, They're like having those types of people as your parents and you're doing like, and you're treating them that like that, it just made no sense, you know? And so I think that it just, it allowed me to take a step back and sort of reorient my, you know, myself. I think, you know, as well as anybody that. I'm a family man. I, I would probably take us girls and you guys sitting in the backyard over just about anything. You know, that's just like, that's my happy place. And I think that if I hadn't gone through that, if I hadn't gone through that experience that I don't know, I don't know if that would, that would be my happy place. I don't know if I would have ever been sort of pulled out of those depths. And so, you know, I mean, I, <laughs> I remember, you know, we, 
I did communicate with my parents, but it was always via letters. And in, in those early letters, I was so angry. I was, I was defensive and blaming and, and all these different things. And before I began to, began to realize that they were the ones that, that were saving me, like they saved me. They saved me by sending me to this place. Like it, and, and how hard that must have been for them and you and Susan and my brothers and Hope and Hannah, like my parents only told like two of my friends and my family that what was happening, everybody else, I got all these text messages. People thought I was like dead. Like people, people I got, I think I came back to like 300 text messages of people just be like, where are you? What's going on? But yeah, I just really think that it, it uh, sort of brought me back to center and uh, sort of helped me rediscover my heart a little bit, you know, and, and, and my identity. I mean, my identity as an athlete was gone, but I sort of found my identity as, as a boyer, as a Beal, as Eli Boyer in this family. And certainly, look, there have been bumps along the road. And of course, like since then, you know, we've had a lot of things we've worked through, but I always have that to come back to. I always have the fact that I have incredible parents, incredible brothers. I have incredible uncles. You know, I call you an uncle. I call Susan an aunt. And I'm beyond grateful for that. And so it was, it was, uh, as I said, it was pretty, pretty impactful. That's all incredibly powerful. I yeah. just can't stop thinking about, honestly, for years, I've actually, I've always thought about the courage of all of you. I mean, your mother and your father, particularly, you know, I can't, what it I mean, took for them and your mother and your dad, because they're, they're so tight with you and they, they just wanted the best. They want the best for all their kids, of course, right. obviously, and everything. And it's sort of a, it's a really sad story that ends pretty well, because I know that you are tight with you folks. And I yeah. do know that you're very tight with your brothers still and the whole family and their community. You, you do have a, a larger community than that. You've always been one yeah. of those guys who, I think builds his family. You, your friends are, I know, are really important to you as well. And you have you have some very very good friends who, yeah, endured different things, and you're able to help them with what they with some of what they go through. I know you're very generous in that respect. And anyway, I really appreciate you telling me the story. It, yeah, it hurts I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry to, I know, I know, it's one of those stories that might even hit a nerve for you. You probably have your own memories from the, that day. But certainly it, it's a uh, it's a powerful one. And I think one that not just brought me closer to, you know, my parents, but it brought all of us closer together. I mean, we all went through it. It wasn't wasn't just me. You know, it was we all went through it. So, you know, I have a I have a pretty profound appreciation for that. too. Well, thank you, Eli, for telling yeah. us that story. Absolutely. Very, thank you. Very, thank very. You on. Yeah, it's an honor to have you on because, you know, like I said, I've known you for so long. And, and to be honest with you. When I, we talked about it, I was thinking about that story. I was like, yeah. there's nothing more. No, you knew what story I was going to I kind of knew that. I go, if he, if he goes there, you don't have to go there, you know, in this. No, story. I mean, I'm, I, I don't know if you remember, but I ended up writing sort of that short play yeah. uh, by senior year that was performed in front of our entire school. That was terrible. I feel like if I could get through that, man, I can, you know, I can tell a penny. I can tell a story to anybody. I mean, and, you know, 500 of my classmates, you know, watching me get my quote unquote head, you know, dumped, uh, you know, I had the Gatorade dumped on me. by Joshua. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I love, you know, I'm, I'm a, I think part of what this podcast is about is sharing these stories to allow people to connect 
you know, there's always some piece of a story, if not, you know, the whole thing that you can relate to and you can pick a piece and say, I, I felt that I understand that. And, you know, and, and it's had that same impact on me, or maybe you understand it and, and it hasn't yet had the impact and maybe it will in the, in the future. So like always, Wu, this is the type of stuff that comes out of the, uh, out of the rehack households, just true and, and powerful, emotional, loving, all that good stuff. Oh man, I'm exhausted, but thank you. I know, I know. And I, I want to keep talking, but as you know, I've got, I got, now I've got my father's birthday upstairs. So I do have to, I do have to get out of here. Well, I love you. Thanks for being on the show. We'll talk later. I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Well, thank you, Eli, for being on the show. That's all we've got for you this week. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sidelining Publishing. Publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's One Little Act of Kindness, and I've Got Peace in My Fingers. I'd also like to thank LaughSaver.com for supporting us. Visit LaughSaver.com and record your laughter. We'll keep it for you now and forever. It's free, and your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will appreciate it. That's LaughSaver.com. Go and record your laughter today. And of course, I'd like to thank the listeners as well. Now, I'm going to end this show a little differently than what I usually do. Rather than use one of Susan Salador's classic songs, what I'm going to do today is listen to Kathy Beale, Eli's grandmother, sing I See the Moon. So until next time, be safe out there and try not to hurt anybody. I see the moon and the moon sees me and the moon sees somebody else want to see. God bless the moon and God bless me. God bless the somebody I want to see. I look down from up above to see the one, the one I love. I see the one of all the rest and that is why I love you best. I see the moon and the moon sees me and the moon sees somebody I want to see. God bless the moon and God bless me and God bless the somebody I want to see.